It is wonderful to be here with you this morning. I have some news to share, and some of you will be as excited as I am about it. In less than a month, Tay and I will be empty nesters. As I think about it, it's been a month or two now of highs and lows. At one moment, we're excited because we won't have to go to soccer games every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. Or I won't have to wait up late until the evening until my, kid, until my kid gets home from work. But at the same time, there's some lows in that process because I will miss seeing my boy play soccer. And I'll miss when he comes into my bedroom at night. I'm already in bed and he comes in after getting off work and he says goodnight and he lays there to visit for a few minutes. Oh, but wait a minute. This is not about me becoming an empty nester. But I do know that over the next few weeks, Enoch, our last child living at home, will move into the next stage of his life. And somebody here at church, he told me at one time, but I forgot, gave him the greatest gift to get him ready for college. They gave him a toolbox or a tool bag. And he was so excited about this bag that he went and he even rated my toolbox to add to his tool bag so that he would be ready when he got to college in his dorm room to tackle any and every circumstance. Last week, Matt talked about this new life that we have in Christ. And I believe the next passage of Scripture that we come into that Paul's talking to the brethren in, in Ephesus is preparing their toolbox on how to be neighbors that can live like no one else. An out-of-this-world neighbor. And this morning, our passage will come out of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 and following. And so what I'm going to do over the next few minutes is give you some tools that you can put into that tool bag that hopefully will remind you over the next few months, or as I said in the first service, hopefully will haunt you for the next few months. Because these are the tools that Paul gives them. The first one begins in verse 25, and he says, Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one body, or we are members of one another. The first thing that I think Paul gives us as a tool is a mirror. And I'll come back to that in just a second because i got to set the precedent for it. We live in a society today that is stricken by the inability to tell the truth. Facebook and Instagram and other social media are not the culprit, but they are definitely influencers in us being a fake society. Because society... And post and things on Instagram show us how wonderful life is with none of its bad. Life has come back to being just it's all good. There's no bad. Pictures go out on Facebook about everything being perfect. And that life is nothing more than great meals. Or never-ending fun. Cool parties. Exceptional vacations. 
We live in a world that's got this falsehood idea that we, we struggle with telling each other the truth about life. And then recently I learned about a word that's called post-truth. It's an adjective that describes a circumstance that truth or objective facts have less sway in people's lives than does an emotional plea or emotional outreach. Truth will move people much less than outpouring of emotions. That's the society we're living in these days. The society we're living in today is truth is not as important as what the emotions are saying. But does that filter into the church? Does that filter into our lives? I think it does because if you guys are like me, I struggle with what I have titled get to the curb at church syndrome. Most of us live lives and our lives don't necessarily go as planned. They don't always work out. We have strife at home, even sometimes on Sunday morning coming to church. We have difficulty with finances that bring stress to our families. We have illness. We have so many things in our life that are weighing us down as brothers and sisters in Christ. But the moment we get to church and step on the curb, I'm fine. You may not all feel that way, but I know I have and do at times. So I think what Paul's telling us about our first tool in our being out of this world neighbors is to learn to be like a mirror. When I look into the mirror, I see exactly what's on the, uh, what the mirror reflects off of. We need to be as Christians, we need to be people that can openly and honestly share with one another in this process called faith. Because Paul says, speak truth to one another. So let's be like a mirror. But how do we do that? Three simple steps. First off, we have to learn to trust others with our feelings and our emotions and what's going on in our lives. But at the same time, we have to learn to be trustworthy when people share those things with us. The second thing, we have to learn to listen to people. We have to learn to hear what people are saying and not just share what we want to share. And the last one becomes we have to learn to be open to new people who may not feel as comfortable as we do in these moments of sharing. So if we will learn in that process to come together in those things and do those things, we will learn to speak truth to one another. We will learn to share with our brothers and sisters in Christ about a bad day. We will learn to share about difficult times and challenges that we're having and even fears and doubts. Let us learn to lower the mask of perfection between us so that we can reflect our reality to those around us. An out-of-this-world neighbor is one that is honest with one another. So put it in your bag. The second one we come into comes from Ephesians chapter, verse 26. And he says, be angry and do not sin and do not let the sun go down in your anger. And do not, give the, do not give an opportunity to the devil. Does anyone like Dr. Pepper? Oh, 
What happens to this can if I were to give it to you and you were to open it? Okay? It's going to go everywhere, right? And it's going to make such a mess that Robert Luera is going to be really mad at me. Matt begged me and preaching team to actually do it. I can't do that to Robert. But here's the best you get. But there's a difference between shaking this can and shaking this bottle. Same substance inside, but as I shake this bottle, what happens to the bottle? Builds up pressure just like it. But the difference is, with the bottle, I can let it off a little at a time. I can learn to release the pressure a little at a time. So we as Christians need to learn this process of letting the pressure off a little at a time. Anger is a really interesting emotion. Anger is just like what happens inside the bottle or inside the can. The more we get angry, the more that pressure builds up, the more challenging it becomes to contain. But but the emotion of anger really comes from when someone has done something that's offended me or hurt me or I feel that maybe even unjust towards me. And the more I process, the more I deal with that anger, one of the things that I find is I want to make whoever caused me that hurt to pay for my hurt. And the more I don't think about it and the more I dwell on that hurt, the more I do it, it's just shaking up the bottle more and more. Paul says, when you're angry, do not sin. An out-of-this-world neighbor is one that in his anger he does not sin. An out-of-this-world neighbor is one that in his anger does not let the sun go down on his anger. Or does not give the devil an opportunity in his life. So an out-of-this-world neighbor is one who learns To let go and release that pressure of making others pay in his life. How do we do that? Three simple ways. And this is much more complex. I don't have the time to go into all the details about this. But the first thing, when we feel anger coming on, first off, we have to stop and analyze that anger. What did God tell Cain? Why are you angry? So stop. Analyze it. Figure it out what it's about and where it's coming from and the second thing is we have to learn as we get angry to be responsible for that anger that is not someone else's problem it's my problem to deal with and finally we have to give it over to God so as we do these three things we let that pressure off of the that we release others from our desire to have to punish them so as out of, this neighbor, out of this world neighbors, we learn to release others from being punished for the wrongs that they've caused us. The third one. Now, I'm going to put this one over here because we don't want to be like the can. We want to be like the bottle. The third one. The third one is we have to learn to work for generosity's sake. Does anyone recognize what this is from? Monopoly money. Monopoly is a great example of 
the idea of working for what you want. Either you hate monopoly or you love monopoly. I'm a hater. Don't like it. One, because I don't like playing games that never end. But two, I don't like it because the whole concept of the game is to make money and see what I can get for who? For me, at the cost of everyone else. Huh. Out of this world, people don't live like that, do they? Paul says, he says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing, what is, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with those or with anyone in need. I think it's pretty interesting that Paul would have to tell the brethren to stop stealing. I hope he wouldn't have to tell that about us. Don't think so. But I think it goes beyond is deeper than stealing. Because if you think about stealing, stealing is what? Wanting something and getting it for yourself independent of the cost. It doesn't matter what anybody else wants or anybody else needs. You take it for yourself. And so Paul is telling them to stop that attitude and change their focus to where they're focused on others and not just on themselves. He even tells them to work and even be honest in that work and work with your hands because I think sometimes even when we work, we're focused on self. We're focused on what we can get out of this. We're focused on what we need in that process. So he tells them to focus on others. Here's the difference between an out-of-this-world worker and a worldly worker. An out-of-this-world worker is someone who works, maybe even from paycheck to paycheck or from investment to investment or whatever it is. He works not for himself but for the needs of others. So as a church... We need to move away and have the challenge that my work on a day-to-day basis of what I build for my financial stuff is about helping others. Dave Ramsey says it this way from Financial Peace University. He says, live like no one else so that you can give like no one else. Basically saying, be good stewards of what God has given you so that you can give to others who are in need. That's a very different approach to money. So an out-of-this-world neighbor, according to what Paul is saying, is we'll put money in our bag that we'll take with us. Out-of-this-world neighbor is that money's not for me. That money is for the others who need help in the process of walking the spiritual walk. We work for generosity's sake. And we work to be able to help others who are in need. So an out-of-this-world neighbor for us, and for us to be that way, is one who works for generosity's sake, not for our own sake. The fourth thing Paul says, and this one's pretty negative, of the illustration I've got. Anybody ever heard, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You heard that? You said it before? That's the biggest lie we ever tell. We even, our children, by the age of three or four years old, know how to quote it to what? Defend off against all the bullies. But we know it's a lie, and we perpetuate that lie a lot of times 
because we, we understand that if I'm hurt by a stick and a, and a rock, it only takes three to six weeks probably for me to heal from that process. But that's not the case with words. Many of us live every day with scars and hurt and anger and difficulty from things people said to us a long, long time ago. Even some of them more recent than others. And Paul understood that process. Paul understood, just like we understand, that the power of words, because he says, let no, corrupt, no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only what, such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I used to think that this was just Christians don't say four-letter words or they don't use profanity. But it goes much deeper than that because this no corrupt talk carries an idea of harmful words, things that hurt or things that are unwholesome said towards others. Or even going to get real simple, bad things. And so Paul says, take those out of your life. In today's vernacular, 2023, it may be things like sarcasm. Digs or slams, criticism, cut downs, slander, or even a new one that's in our vernacular now is gaslighting. There's so many things that we could take away from our vocabulary. How do we do that? How do we get a speech that lifts up others? How do we get a speech that is not like sticks and stones? How do we get a speech that gets us to where we need to be? Because we want to be an out-of-this-world neighbor. And that speech is one that builds up the people around us. That speech is the one that encourages us or encourages them as we talk to them. It lifts their spirits. It blesses their lives. And the one that he really emphasizes, he gives, it gives grace to the hearer. Paul says that our tongues need to be used for good, not for evil. If we want to be out of this world neighbors, we need to make sure that as we're out of this world neighbors, that the people I speak to, the people who come to talk to me, the people who I share with, they leave those conversations uplifted and full of grace instead of sad and broken that's our conversation in that so we add a rock and a stick to our tool case to remind us that our speech must be uplifting to everyone because an out of this world neighbor lifts others up through his words of grace and the last one the last one is about leading in verse 30, Paul says, do not, give, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, or Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of your redemption. God has made us into this new creation. God has given us this new life. And God has given us the tools to handle this. And he's given us his spirit, as in Ephesians 1.14, that is a reminder and a promise that we have that. And any time we don't live the way God's purpose wants it to be in our lives, we create a lack of joy in the life of the Holy Spirit. 
We may make him sad, but it's a lack of joy. Which leads me to the next point, or the next verse, where he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away of it, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, and as God in Christ forgave you. Paul's basically telling the brethren in Ephesians, don't let your emotions lead you to do things that are not according to what God's purpose is in your life. He says, you take control of your emotions and you lead them to act in a certain way. You lead them to act in kindness, tenderness, compassion, grace, and forgiveness. Last week we were at a family reunion with my brother. My brother has, an, has incredible ability with dogs and he has a labradoodle and this labradoodle is eight months old and he's huge he weighs almost 70 pounds at eight months one day my nephew wanted to take this labradoodle for a walk and my nephew's not age nine he weighs about 50 pounds and this labradoodle drug my nephew across the yard over and over again the dog led the leader but as soon as my brother came into, into view, and as soon as my brother grabbed hold of the leash, that dog straightened up and he walked exactly beside him where he was. Brothers and sisters, that's the way we need to train our emotions. Our emotions are real. The dog is real. Our emotions are real. But we need to learn to not be like the world and let our emotions drive us everywhere we go. We want to train them to be who God needs us to be. Because if we, if we live like the world, letting our emotions drive us, we will have broken homes. We will have difficulty and challenges and abuse. We'll have slander. We'll have uh, controlling of one another. There'll be so many things because that's the world that we live in. But Paul is calling us to live in a different way. Paul is calling us as Christians or as out-of-this-world neighbors to not be driven by reaction, but be driven by action. Paul is telling us as brethren, be kind even when they're not kind to you. He's saying be compassionate or tender-hearted. Even when sometimes those people who you're trying to be compassionate to have got it all wrong and they messed up and they did something really stupid to get them in that spot. And then he says, be forgiving or be gracious even when they've hurt you or even when they don't deserve to be forgiven. That's the action that God is leading or wanting us to lead our emotions to. Not let our emotions lead us. If we will do those things and lead our emotions to action, we will live as out of this world people. Because the world does not live that way. So wow. That's a lot. That's a lot to put in a bag that you have to carry every day to remind you of how to live out of this world. 
Paul has said, be honest to one another. He says, release each other from punishing each other because of wrongdoing. He says, work hard to be generous to others. And he says, lift up others with your words and lead your actions. Or lead your emotions to action. But I think he sums it up in two verses. In, verse, in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, he says this. Therefore, be imitators of God as his beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering of sacrifice to God. This is truly out of this world. Out of this world means that we must imitate God. In being tender, compassionate, grace-filled, forgiving towards others just as he was towards us. And that we must learn to live and learn to love like Christ. Giving up of self and giving in to what others or what their well-being was. If we will learn that, we live like out-of-this-world out neighbors. Because God and Christ are out of this world. If you haven't been given a bag because you don't have that relationship with the Lord, there's no time like today to do that. If you are struggling in life to fill that with out-of-this-world tools, there's no time like today. We believe in living out of this world as neighbors. Don't hesitate because we want to help you live imitating God and loving like Christ.